good morning. Excited to be back together uh, again. Thank you if you were here last week. Uh, our associate pastor Kenny preached. Uh, just allowed me time uh, to get caught up on some schoolwork that I was had procrastinated on, and uh, so I'm thankful to have an associate pastor who can fill in and, and help out. I just did an awesome job of really looking at that second part of the sermon, I mean, the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. And so if you've got a Bible, we're going to open up to Matthew chapter 6. We're going to cover um, just one verse today. Um, I'm not going to look at uh, any more than that. Matthew chapter 6. We're beginning the home stretch of this day. We're going to spend four weeks in the sermon. I mean, in the, I keep saying the sermon on the mount. In the, uh, the Lord's Prayer. Going four weeks through this. And uh, today we're going to be looking at verse 11. Um, I actually want to read the whole thing. Um, but again, just a reminder that uh, it's going to be only verse 11 that we're going to be uh, we're going to be focusing on. So let me read that um, to you guys and, and y'all read along with me in your copy of God's Word. Therefore, Jesus says, you should pray like this. Our Father in heaven, your name be honored as holy. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. That's the verse we'll be looking at. And forgive us our debts, as we have also forgiven our debtors. And do not bring us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Let's pray together. God, I thank you that, uh, that you have, um, God, given us this church family to be with. God, I'm thankful that you've given us your word before us. God, you didn't leave us here trying to figure out um, who you were, who you are, or figure out what life is supposed to look like. But, God, you gave us your word. Um, you've revealed it to us through the, the prophets and the apostles who have written this down for us, God, so that we can know beyond any shadow of a doubt who you are and what you've done in us and uh, what you want to do through us. And so, Father, I pray that today, um, God, you would speak uh, to our hearts. God, help us to comprehend the text that you've laid uh, before me this week. And, God, I just pray, as we pray every week, that you would teach us to know you today and that you would be with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So if you got a handout when you came in, uh, that's we're going to kind of move through that. Just three things. What we're seeing as we begin to look at verse 11, uh, we look at uh, Matthew 6, verse 11, we're seeing that the, the prayer that Jesus is teaching his disciples here begins to shift towards provision. Up until this point, um, right before this, Jesus, pray, Jesus teaches his disciples to pray this big cosmic prayer. God, uh, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, let, what, let what's going on in heaven, let that come to earth and let it happen now. It's a big declaration. And then we get right after that, give us today our daily bread. Um, and so I'm going to show you three things about provision that uh, Jesus is teaching us about prayer and the way that we need to pray for provision. The first thing, and uh, you're going to get tired of this point because it's in every, it's going to be in every week, uh, every every sermon as we go through the, the Lord's Prayer. But it's a provision for us. Again, I hate to keep harping on this, but when Jesus' disciples ask him, "Teach us to pray," he didn't teach them to pray a personal, private prayer. It wasn't I and me language. It was us and we language. And as I asked you two weeks ago, like, how often does that, or is that the prayers that you and I lift up? I'll just speak to you as your pastor. I have a natural tendency, even when I'm, even when I'm being obedient to God, I have a natural tendency to pray for my own things. Because like I look at my life, and, and it's not bad by any means. 
But we've got health issues in my immediate family. We got financial burdens at times. We got things going on in our life that I wish God would take away. And my prayers oftentimes are geared towards me. God, give me today my daily bread. Meet my needs today, God. But that is not what Jesus taught his disciples. He said, give us our daily bread. The first thing you've got to recognize that Jesus is teaching from, the, from this, this, uh, this Lord's Prayer is what we call it. He's teaching them that we've got to begin to pray from an us perspective, not a me perspective. Challenge from two weeks ago extends to today. Write down the things that you pray about this week. And at the end of the week, <laughs> ask yourself, how many of them were me-focused and how many of them were we-focused? How many of them were for other people? And so the first thing we see about prayer is that is we're supposed to ask that God would provide provision for us, an outward focus. The second thing, well, I won't harp on that anymore because we've already been there and we'll be there again next week, I'm sure. Uh, the second thing, uh, the second thing is this provision for now. Jesus uh, calls us to, pr- to pray for a pr- provision for now. Y'all, I'm going to take a, br- a drink because my tongue is tied for some reason. Oh man, um, y'all know I like to get uh, get a little bit nerdy with some of the stuff, and so y'all got to bear with me. Uh, um, but man, when you look at the text, give us today our daily bread. The word daily is a Greek word. Okay. In the original text, it's a Greek word that scholars can't find anywhere else. Like, imagine that. When you're trying to translate something from one language to the other, and there's a word there that's just a string of letters, and the first thing that that scholars who are interpreting the text do is they go to the text itself. They look in the Bible and say, "Where where else does this word come up? And they look through the whole thing and they say, well, I declare that word ain't in there at all. Well, then the next thing they do is they begin to look at texts that are outside, that are from the same uh, uh, time frame, but that were outside. Letters or you know things that have been contained for these 2,000 years. Even when they did that, they still can't find this word. And so interpreters, that's why if you read this verse in a bunch of different <laughs> translations, you're going to see it fleshed out differently. And so... Um, there's kind of, the scholars have, have looked at it, and, and that's why they use the word daily. It's maybe not necessarily the best word, but it's a word that hits kind of in the middle of the two different stances that people take. There's one branch that thinks the word means needed for existence, the way that they break the word down. Just imagine for a second, before I even get into that, uh, if you have children, um, one thing that teachers love to do is have their have kids in their class write letters to their parents, okay? Which is awesome, like for a fourth grader who can spell you with me? Elsie Joe brings stuff home as a first grader, and at the top it says, hey, Dad. And then underneath it, I'm assuming it's a really sweet thing, but I can't make heads or tails of it a lot of times. There's words that she makes up. That's what a lot of these interpreters are coming to the text. They have to try to figure out what do these words mean. Just try to show them some grace, okay? But there's one branch that mean, thinks this means needed for existence. Uh, give me the bread that keeps me alive, Okay. And uh, there's, there are different uh, translations of the Bible that try to do different things. Um, and the NLT is one of them, New Living Translation. Its goal is like to provide a very readable uh, thing. And so they took that and they, they took this stance of that this word means needed for existence. And so they translate this, this uh, verse, give us today the food we need. Right? Give us today the food that we need. The focus is on the necessity or the importance of what we're asking for. And... Uh, one thing that if, if you're new or you're visiting with one of the families, you may not know this, but this is a term that we use here at East, hyperlink. 
You'll know what a hyperlink is. When you go to a website and there's a word in blue that's underlined, it's providing you more information about the thing. It's like uh, maybe uh, you're, you're going to Wikipedia, okay, and you're looking at the Wikipedia page for uh, the Dallas Maverick. Mavericks. Are they still a team? Okay, whew, thank you. Not an NBA guy. All right, uh, you look at the Dallas Mavericks, uh, you're going to see the coach of the Dallas Mavericks. Well, guess what? His name is going to be blue, and it's going to be underlined because you can click on his name, and it'll carry you to a page that's all about him, and it'll tell you more information. Then you can come, you can take that information. You can come back to the page on the Dallas Mavericks, and you go, man, I understand what's going on more. The next one, it may say they were in the 1998 NBA Finals. Probably not, but uh, whatever. And you may click on that, and it'll give you a detailed explanation of what was going on in 1998 in the NBA Finals. And you're coming back to the text again. Y'all, the Bible does the same thing. There's just nothing to click on. Okay? Jesus, all throughout his teaching, is using terms and phrases and ideas from the Old Testament. And it becomes clear, and when he says those things, we read them and we just keep reading but what we need to do is slow down and then go to the Old Testament and look at what Jesus was talking about. What was he referencing back to? And so to look at the idea of, G, of, of this prayer being for the food that we need or, or uh, needed for existence. If Jesus, uh, Jesus is hyperlinking back to a proverb. This is Proverbs 30, verse 8. Um, Keep falsehood and deceitful words far from me. Listen to what he says. Give me neither poverty nor wealth. Feed me the food I need. Feed me with the food I need. What the, the, the guy who wrote the proverb is saying, bless me. I'm not asking for a ton, though. right? Like, I'm not saying make me wealthy. I'm just saying provide for me. Give me the food that I need. God, you know what I need. Provide that for me. And so I think that's what's going. Jesus is definitely hyperlinking back to this feed me with the food I need. The other view of the word uh, daily is that it means for the day at hand. It deals with immediacy rather than importance. And another translation like the NLT that tries to bring out a, a, a simple uh, translation of a passage, sometimes they lose a lot of what the text is really saying, but it's the CEV, the Contemporary English Version. Um, they bring out this, they translate this passage as, give us our food for today. Or, give us our food for today. And this is definitely a biblical idea. You look at Psalm 104. It speaks of God as the giver of daily provision of both humans and animals. Uh, this is Psalm 104, 27 through 28. This is actually the part that's talking about animals, actually in the sea particularly. But this is what the Bible says. All of them wait for you, God, to give them their food at the right time. When you give it to them, they gather it. When you open your hand, they are satisfied with good things. The, the whole point of Psalm 104 is to provide this image that all of creation is waiting daily for God to extend his hand of sustenance. To provide the substance of life. Give us our food for today. And so Jesus is drawing on both of these things from Proverbs 30 verse 8 and then Psalm 104. He's pulling from both of those, but that's why we use the word daily. That's why most translations use that word because it kind of pulls on the immediacy of it and the importance of it. But these two hyperlinks that I just shared from Proverbs and Psalm pale in comparison to the big thing that Jesus is saying. Jesus was a Jew. You recognize that? Jesus was a Jewish man. And all first century Jews would have known the history of their people very, very well. Some of the biggest stories in the history of the Jewish people are found in the first five books of the Bible. 
In the first book, we call Genesis, we see God bringing about a new family, a new family who were supposed to follow God. The second book, we call Exodus, tells the story of the family from the first book that have now grown in number greatly. And they're struggling to follow God as he's bringing them out of captivity. They were in captivity in Egypt, and they're bringing them back to the land that God had promised them in Genesis, to their ancestors. And on that trek from Egypt back to Canaan, it was a tough one. They would need to fully rely on God if they were going to make it through this wilderness. And if you know the story, God actually provides water from a rock. Like water from a rock. God also provided meat for them. Imagine this, hunters. They woke up and there were just dead birds everywhere. Like edible dead birds, not like roadkill. Like stay away from it. So, Like edible birds just lying everywhere. But the one thing that you, if you're familiar with the text, what you probably remember most is the manna. The manna was daily bread. Jesus is no doubt, as he's teaching his disciples to pray, he's pointing back to manna from the Old Testament. This was a, when the mor- with the morning dew, there would be on the ground some sort of thin bread-like substance that God's people were supposed to eat. It was providing for them. But God gave them special instructions about it. That's Exodus 16, verse 4. The Lord said to Moses, I'm going to rain bread from heaven for you. Some of y'all, that's like dreams you've had, right? Just bread falling down from heaven. All right. Um, Jesus, or God tells Moses, the people are to go out each day and gather enough for that day. I will test them to see whether or not they will follow my instructions. So each day the bread would be on the ground and they were only to get enough for that day. The manna was to be a daily bread. So Jesus takes this idea. Jesus takes this idea from the Old Testament and he brings it to his disciples and he's teaching them to focus their eyes here. I'm going to be honest with you. We can easily begin to look down the road at the big things that are coming and miss what's right in front of us. There's two types of people in the room. Two types of people. When you look to the future, some of you, you, you get in a place of fear and worry. You begin to, to, to worry about the future. And in that situation, you are frozen in those things that you can't even control yet to the point that you can't even enjoy today. You've been there, right? That awkward conversation you've got to have with an employee or a, even your boss. You know you've got to go do it. But it's at the end of the week. <laughs> you got four days before you have that conversation the whole time, the whole week. You don't get anything done. That's how I'm feeling right now, Kenny. We gotta have an all I gotta have an awful conversation with Kenny as soon as the service is over. He's not in here. That joke lands a lot better when he's in here, but um anyway, uh it's not true. But that's what when we get that we have this thing coming on our calendar. And and we've got to and we we can't even enjoy today because we know this thing is coming that we're fearful of. The other way, the other the other group, as you look ahead in confidence and wonder, it leads to totally overlooking the promise altogether. I had this issue when I was a, a, in my first church I served in. I was a youth pastor at Salem Springs Baptist Church in West Limestone. Awesome, awesome church, love it. Noah, who was our intern um, back last uh, two years ago, he's actually the youth pastor there now. He, he, he's 
in the same office that I cut my teeth in ministry. Noah's there uh, cutting his teeth for ministry and really, really cool. But what began to happen, and I served there eight and a half years, towards about that last year, God began to shift something in my heart and mind. Though my, I'd, say, I'd told people I will be in youth ministry forever because teenagers are the future of the church and God has called us. Kind of, I felt like God had called me. I was going to be that 80-year-old you know, youth pastor who's still getting in there and still like seeing how many marshmallows I can shove in my mouth or whatever. Like I'm, I'm going to do those things. That's what I thought I would do. But about seven and a half years in the ministry, God began to change my heart and I began to see the church in a different way and I began to ask God questions of, and even asked my pastor at the time questions of, how are we making disciples? Like, I feel like we're doing a good job in all these silos. We've got a great kids ministry, great youth ministry, and a great uh, Sunday school classes. But how are, we do, how are we bridging that gap across all of those? And I began to ask the question, how can we better disciple our, our adults so that they can better disciple their, their kids? And my, my heart and my mind began to be focused solely on adult ministry. I wanted, to, I wanted to transform the way we did Sunday school at my previous church. I wanted to transform the way that we did Sunday night group stuff. Like I wanted to change all that to make it more intentional and focused. And all the while, as I'm thinking and dreaming and doing all that, it's a job I don't even have, right? <laughs> like, hey, pastor, I think we should change our Sunday school. He says, go back to the youth building. Like that, go, that's your thing. But that's where my heart and mind were. And what happened is I began to think more about that than I did our student ministry. And for the last year, I'll just be straight with you, I don't think I left well. I don't think I left Salem Springs as well as I could have because my heart had already begun to look over my teenagers to the adult ministry. And we can do that same thing in our lives. If there's something that we want ahead of us or there's something that's coming down the road and we're looking there and we're overlooking everything else here. If you'd like more, if that's you and like you're like, hey, that's me, Heath. Uh, three weeks ago, we looked at the book of Zechariah and, and the text was uh, don't neglect the small things. And we talked about that. So three weeks ago, you can go online and find that sermon or uh, talk to us and, and I'd love to share some more things with you. But either way that you're most tempted to look, what Jesus is teaching us about prayer is that prayer is designed to draw our eyes to immediate needs. It's easy to pray about the big things, but we need to pray about the immediate needs, not only of yourself, but those around you. And I know this to be true because just a few verses later, as Jesus continues his Sermon on the Mount, he says, therefore, after covering a lot of stuff, therefore, don't worry about tomorrow because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. May our prayers be focused on today. May we ask God, give us our daily bread, the bread for today, the bread that we need to survive. Now, the next thing, we, got to, we know that this text is about the provision for us, a provision for, uh, golly, my mind. Now, thank you, provision for now. The third thing I want to show you is provision for everything. I'm just going to tell you, uh, honestly, and I'm, some of you will never speak to me again after this. When I was a kid, I hated bread. I thought bread was of the devil. Like white bread, like white loaf bread was the worst stuff. Like I, I couldn't even watch y'all eat it. Like y'all would eat it and eat it and it'd just be stuck all in your teeth. Oh, white bread was so gross. I couldn't stand it. Now, you take that same white bread. You with me? Anybody else? We only had one in the first service. There's three, Collie. There's more of y'all. Y'all just, y'all just ashamed. Y'all ashamed. I was that kid that whenever I had to pack a lunch, I couldn't bring a sandwich. Like I had to bring free bags of chips 
or something. Um, but anyway, uh, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know if it was the texture, the smell, the look, I don't know, but I could not eat a slice of white bread. If you were to take those two pieces of bread, slather them with butter, put a piece of cheese in the middle, put them in a pan, flip it over, I'd eat it all day, grilled cheese. I don't know. I know it's weird. Um, I'll also do a hoagie loaf, French or Italian, but not white sunbeam sliced bread. Um, this is the demented world that I live in. Um, and now I find that my kids are exactly the same. Um, Elsie Joe, this isn't in my notes. So, uh, but Elsie Joe yesterday, uh, we do Capri Suns, 100% juice, right? Uh, so she was, uh, she was doing, she was drinking a Capri Sun yesterday and, um, she said it was gross. She's like, this is not the kind we normally have. I said, baby, what's different about it? She said, it's 100% juice. So how do you know that? She said, it's written on the front. They had changed the packaging. Changed the packaging. And I said, baby, it's the same thing. She said, no, there's too much apple in this. She like became this food connoisseur. You know what I mean? She's like, it's a little hint of too much apple. Um, but it was just changed the packaging. So my kids are going to be just like me. But... Because of my despising of, of bread, the Lord's Prayer, I, this sounds weird, but it always felt strange and disingenuous, right? God, today, give us our daily bread, but don't make it like sunbeam or bunny, right? Like, make it a, who you make it a croissant. And you may think that's silly. You may think that's silly, but listen, I found out this week that the early church fathers were exactly the same. When they read that Jesus, right after, I already said this, but right after Jesus said, your kingdom come, your will be done, will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The most cosmic statement that Jesus makes throughout his ministry. The next thing he says is, also give us some bread. You know what I mean? The early church fathers read that and they said, it's got to be more. It can't just be about bread. And so they began to ask the question, is it about the Lord's Supper? And they went down that path. And many of them held that early church fathers, early theologians of Christianity. And I'm here today to tell you, it's definitely not just about bread. Jesus is talking about everything here. Jesus taught his disciples that prayer reorients the heart towards a dependence on him and everything. It's not just food. It's not just water. You and I know that we need shelter and relationships and a job and family and love and conversations during the day. I could keep going and going. Sun drop. Prayer is an opportunity to say, Father, I wouldn't have any of that without you. Give me what I need. Give me the food I need today, please. And I'm just going to be honest with you. Of all the times I've prayed the Lord's Prayer, I want to ask you this question that I've asked myself. What was on your mind when you said those words? Give us today our daily bread. Because for most of America... <laughs> We're not worried about where our next meal comes from. I've got enough crackers and light and sliced bread, because I will eat it now, to get me through several weeks at my house right now. I could get by. Compare that to Christians in places like Nigeria. Nigeria has been labeled as the ninth most hostile place for Christians to live. This year, from January to April, 1,400 1,400 Nigerian Christians have been killed. 2,200 others captured for at least a period of time, if not still in captivity. 
when Christians in Nigeria come to Matthew 6, 11, it hits a little home, don't it? When they say, God, give us today our daily bread, they're talking about a, 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 a substance that they need from God that you and I probably don't experience. My prayer for provision, the things that I ask God for, look almost silly in light of that, don't they? If we were honest, our prayers would probably look more like this. God, I'm doing pretty good right now. Life's not too overwhelming. If you could, keep some bad stuff from coming down the road so that I can keep all my plates spinning. Because I'm killing it right now. Life's good. And I'll let you know when I need you. It is so dangerously easy to get to a place where our prayer life becomes, God, help me continue to have my life under control instead of sub submitting our lives again to the one who is actually in control. To you new parents that are here today, there were days early on where I can remember praying much more regularly and passionately than I do for my kids now. I can remember when, uh, when Elsa Jo was young. She was our first and I can remember um, Kelly had a had had a C-section with her, and I, so Dad had to change all the diapers. If y'all they didn't tell you that when you signed up, but like she's in the bed, she can't move. So I had got a crash course in changing a girl's diaper, and that was fun. But after we got home, um, when Elsa Joe was young, she would of course wake up hungry or whatever during the night, and um, Kelly was with her all day, so I would usually handle the nighttime and. She would wake up, and I, I'd walk. Did y'all know? Maybe y'all did this or not, but I had a trail, just a path that I walked in the circle in our nursery, just feeding her, bouncing like a crazy person. Like if you can see in my windows, I look like a nut. But the whole time, and some of this is selfish because I really just want her to go back to sleep at this moment. <laughs> I'm just saying, God, help her go to sleep so I can go back to sleep. But I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. God help her. God help Kelly. God help me. Because early on, new dad, I don't have a clue what we're doing. I don't have a clue. And I know that's coming again when they hit teenage years. I know I'll be humbled again and go, God, I don't know what I'm doing. But what I found was when Daniel was born, because I'd already been down that road before, I found myself praying less of those helpless prayers. I mean, yes, the diaper changing is different for the boy, Okay. But it, I could still handle this. I can still handle what you've given me, God. I felt like in that moment that, that, I, that I had it more under control. And in those seasons, there are seasons not just in parenting, but there are seasons in life in which we get comfortable. We're like, I got this, God. I'm comfortable here. I, I, know, I know there's a lot. There, there may be some things going on, but, but uh, I, I'm comfortable. I've got this, God. You stand on ready. I call when I need you. And we forget that our utter dependence is on God himself. What I'm praying today over Lindsay Lane East is that this prayer has done in your, will do in your heart what God has done it in mine. And that is a reminder that you are not self-sufficient. You cannot do life 
on your own. The moment that God were to remove a hand of protection from you, life would chew you up and spit you out. The sin, the suffering, the death, and the disease that you would experience would be too much to bear and you would fold. We cannot handle all of that. We've got to quit pretending that it's us who are in charge. And the thing that God laid on my heart, this is written in pen, just so you know, because I wrote it during the first service as God was just stirring in my heart. I, I wrote this down. When was the last time you prayed like your life depended on it? Like your family depended on it. Like your livelihood. Everything that you know to exist. When is the last time you prayed? Like everything was on the line. What God began to reveal in my heart, even during the first service, is that the very self-reliance that I've been fighting for since I was 13. 13 years old and 13 year olds in the room. We know you're fighting for it. We know you are. But the very self-reliance I've been fighting for may very well have led me to a place of sin. A place where I don't want to need my parents. I don't want to need culture. I don't want to need a handout. I've got this. And I forget that, yes, I can cut everybody else off and maybe I can exist without all those people, but I cannot depend. I cannot exist without God. I cannot exist without God. We can work towards self-reliance from other people. That's one thing. But we must not allow ourselves to get to a place where we think we don't need God. Because Kelly and I have had moments in our life where you can quickly be reminded that you need God. What I learned in those moments was I just want to live my whole life like I need him and not have to be reminded. Because <laughs> those days are dark and they're hard. I want to live every day of my life as a reminder. I want, to, I want my prayer life to reflect the fact that I am nothing without God. This is what this passage has done in the heart of your pastor this week. And again, even this morning. It's reminded me. That my prayers have got to be more outward focused. Yes, pray for yourself. Yes. But man, there's so many more people in this world that need your prayer. So many more people in this room who need your prayer. I'm going to ask you all to pray for Miss Angel. Miss Angel Figaro on the back row. Back for the first time from a few weeks ago. Miss Angel and her family have lost a loved one this week. It's been tough on her. And you may not even know Miss Angel. So what? Pray for her today, okay? Lift her up. Pray for others. That's the first thing. But there's a provision. God has given us prayer to, to ask God to provide for other people. There's also provision for now. Quit just trying to look down the road. Don't just pray about big things. Pray about small things. Things that are right before us as a church family and your neighbors. And the biggest thing, may you just remember that, that every provision you have, everything in your life comes first from God. And may, that, may our prayer life begin to shift as if we truly believe that. Um, Patrick and uh, Monica, y'all coming up. But here's the deal. All the provision that God gives me in my life, it comes from the fact that Jesus shed his blood for me and God's spirit indwells me. That is my access to the provision from God. 
because God has changed my heart and he now lives in me, that's how I get access to the provision from God, the peace that I'm praying over Miss Angel and so many of who have, have had difficulties and lost loved ones. The same peace and strength that I need every day of my life when Kelly had thyroid cancer and it was tough. But the strength and the peace that I needed didn't just come from family members. It came from God. And in those moments, I needed God more than I needed anything else. More than I needed doctors, more than I needed my dad. I needed peace and strength from God. And that came, that came through the work of the Holy Spirit in me. It came because I have a relationship with him today. If you've never trusted in Jesus, uh, this is going to come across tough, but you don't have that access. You don't have that access to the peace and strength that I'm talking about. And God's blessing you. God blessed you to be able to be here. But you can't get the access that we can to God. And I would love to help you see that. That Jesus Christ didn't just die for my sins. He died for yours. And today, if you would turn from your sin, repent of your sin is the biblical word. Turn from it. It's the Bible word. Repent. And you would believe in Jesus Christ as your Savior today. You could have the access to peace and strength I'm talking about. I'd love to share that with you. I'm going to be down front during this last song. I'd love to talk with you about that. We'll have counselors by the back door. If you'd rather go back than come forward, man, we'd love to talk with you. But this message wasn't just for those who don't know Christ. Surely you know that. I do know Christ. I've been a Christian a long time now. I'm confident in that. But God tore me up over this verse because my prayer life is garbage compared to what it needs to be. And if you're like me, let today, let God stir in your heart and let today be a day where you step out and we're beginning to change our prayer life. Begin to pray like we actually depend on God. I'm going to say a word of prayer. And if you want to talk to me about anything, about salvation, I'd love to talk with you about that. If you want to join this church, we got East 101 coming up next week, which is our membership class. We'd love to go on and have that conversation today with you, get you ready for that. Um, talk about baptism, anything that God's laid on your heart. We want, to, we want to help you do that. And we'll also have counselors again by the back door. But I'm going to say a word of prayer. And after I pray, we're going to stand. We're going to sing this awesome song to wrap up. Um, we just want to worship together and respond however God leads. Let's pray.